Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hello, and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, February 2nd, 2024. Today, Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg is in negotiations to plead guilty to a perjury charge. President Biden hits violent Israeli settlers in the West Bank with sanctions. The House votes to expand the child tax credit. Trump spent $50 million on legal fees in 2023. The European Union secures $54 billion in funding for Ukraine. The 10 Oregon Republicans that walked out in 2022 have been found ineligible to run for re-election. The Republicans had the worst fundraising year in a decade. A teenager is accused of orchestrating hundreds of swatting instances. And MAGA World is planning on fighting the Taylor Swift phenomenon with Kid Rock. <laughs> I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Well, it's Groundhog Day again. And <laughs> I can't stop. I can't not laugh with the Kid Rock, Ted Nugent thing. I just can't. 
I just, it also Kid Rock, if you actually knew Kid Rock's background, he's not some country Southern bumpkin. No. This is all a facade. Isn't he from Brentwood or something? Yes. I mean, it's the guy is, <laughs> it's just absurd. It's absolutely absurd, but it's going to be comedy for days. I will be honest with you. The only scary part, obviously, is all of this rhetoric is putting Taylor Swift in a great amount of danger. Yeah. So that's obviously the problem with all of this, but it is laughable. It is laughable that anyone in the MAGA world thinks they have anyone to combat Taylor Swift's popularity. It's his, it's it's ridiculous. And and Trump saying he's more popular. It's I can't. I just I can't. Well, hey, you know what? Happy Groundhog Day. Happy Friday. to you as well. And a special like a shout out. Happy Black History Month. Yes. You know it. It's it, we're in the second day of it. There's incredible. Like I hope everyone is sharing stories about the powerful Black people in our history that have artists and musicians and politicians and playwrights and authors and just the, the the richness, the richness of the history and the people and everyone. It just, please celebrate, be vocal and honor this month. It should be longer than a month. I think it's absurd. Um, but we should just like, you know, rub it in Ron DeSantis's face while he's celebrating Whitewash Wednesday. Yeah. Like every day, <laughs> every day, let's do this. Yeah. And you know, with Black History Month, come all of the fucking Nazis out of the woodwork. Where, where's my white history month? Oh, Jesus. First of all, white is <laughs> not a culture. Actually, he was brown too, but go ahead. For, white is not a culture. Okay, it, you, there's German culture, there's Irish culture, there's... Well, I'm beginning to think it's the first half of that word. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cult. It's a, it's it's a, a cult. fucking cult. Uh, and just the whole... Uh, Ever since I was in high school, Dana, somebody inevitably when 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 I was a kid, when I when we were little dickheads running around like shitheads, somebody would be like, "Where's white student union?" or you know whatever. Yeah, uh, and you know those were the same kids that were like, "The Civil War was fought over uh, states' rights." It's the same group, and they are just now old. And yeah fucking nobody want and and taylor swift would never give him the time of day the, uh i think it was carville james carville who came out on uh, uh one of the, the shows on MS, msnbc and said this is all just because of sexual inadequacy and and i it's all sort of rooted together right the whole great replacement theory which is what drove many of the people who attacked the Capitol on january 6th just this weird fucking racist shit that used to be underground you you used to be shamed for this shit yeah and now donald trump has said it's okay to be a complete and total dickhead and speaking of that apparently joe biden refers to donald trump as a sick fuck privately which i appreciate i feel I actually like they do too now i want to vote for him twice but i won't because it's illegal I, yeah, I feel like Politico came out with that story like it was a gotcha on Joe Biden and everybody's like, yeah, and like, he is a sick fuck the, or get a load of this fucking asshole, I think is one of the quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I've met Joe a couple times and I can picture him saying, get a load of this fucking asshole. <laughs> right? That's so right up his alley to say something like that. And Dr. Biden going, honey. Uh, all language. Right, all right, Joe. Right. <laughs> Actually, are you kidding? Dr. Biden's probably like, yeah, I concur. Yeah. I, and and so, yeah, all over the social medias right now, it's just like, uh, yeah, and uh, the, no lies detected. 
Uh, also, this is Friday, so we are going to be celebrating with John Fugelsang. He'll be here later and to talk. And his hair. And his beautiful hair. His voluptuous, amazing hair. We're going to talk about how Trump and the RNC are broke, not just morally, but actually fiscally as well. And the RNC only has like $8 million in the bank. That's the lowest in a decade. But when you adjust for inflation, Dana, it's the lowest since 1993. Wow. Uh, now, also, Trump has spent $50 million in 2023 on legal bills, which pleases me. And now I guess he's going to spend more on Kid Rock. I don't know. This is... <laughs> Uh, all right. I dressed up for Kid Rock in drag one year <laughs> when I was younger and did the duet that he does with Sheryl Crow. And that's the most redeeming quality of Kid Rock. Was that the pictures of you? Song? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got a picture of you. Yeah, I remember that song. I yeah. do. My, I think one of my favorite Kid, Kid Rock laughing moments was when he was nominated for a video music award. And the the woman who's announcing the Video Music Awards, she's very like, coming up next, uh, or the nominees for Best Album of the Year. And she says, nominees for Song of the Year, Ba Wida Ba by Kid Rock. <laughs> and I'm just, it just cracked me up. Yeah, Brentwood. If, if I could explain Brentwood to you, it's not uh, a place that you don't want to grow up. It's a, it's a very beautiful yeah. um well-maintained suburb uh, of Los Angeles. All right. I think that's where he's from. I could be wrong, but it's somewhere like Brentwood. There, every every city has a Brentwood. All right. We have a lot he's of news to get to. He's actually from Romeo, Michigan. Oh. By the way, he was born in Romeo, Michigan. Still not. He. By the way, his name's Robert James Ritchie, and he was born in Romeo, Mich Michigan. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with Romeo, Michigan. Michiganders, let me know. Yeah. Send it in to the to the Daily Beans Pod. Go to dailybeanspod.com, click on contact. Tell me your stories about Romeo, Michigan, because, you know, I want to be correct. <laughs> All right. We have a lot of news to get to, but uh, we have some uh, quick hits first. Make a long story short. Too late. First up, leaders of the 27 European Union countries sealed a deal Thursday to provide Ukraine with 50 billion euros, uh, that's $54 billion, in support for the war-ravaged economy after Hungary dropped its weeks of threats to veto the measure by the way. So somebody got Orban to concede. The aid package, about two-thirds loan and one-third grants, is not intended to help fight Russia. Uh, it, apart from supporting the economy and paying for rebuilding, it's aimed at setting Ukraine up for future EU membership. So it's rebuilding, um, you know, reconstruction, stuff like that. The EU has a separate plan for funding arms and ammunition. Thank you, AG. And a California teenager who's allegedly behind a flurry of swatting incidents across the country targeting schools in the homes of FBI agents has been arrested in connection with the swatting attempt at a Florida mosque last year. That's according to court documents filed by state prosecutors. Quote, swatting is a perilous and senseless crime which puts innocent lives in danger, uh, dangerous situations and drains valuable resources. This is from Lemma and went on to say, make no mistake, we will continue to work tirelessly in collaboration with our policing partners and the judiciary to apprehend swatting perpetrators. Now, it doesn't look like this is the person responsible, by the way, for Nikki Haley's SWAT or others of high profile cases like Jack Smith or Judge Chutkin. So that's that's a different person calling these in. Um, so we'll see. Well, you know, I'm sure this is going to be more stories about this. But before we get to the next segment, just so you know, 
just to pop back to Kid Rock for a second and just bring some levity to this. He was actually raised in his... So his dad owned a lot of car dealerships. Now, the reason we're talking about this is because Kid Rock makes it sound like he's from like the, you know, the streets and the country streets and he was right. hard living. Like and, a Clarence Thomas man of the people going around Walmart parking lots in his RV. Yeah, and he wasn't. He actually grew up in a really extensive property, which included an apple orchard, a barnyard for their horses. Like Kid Rock was doing just fine. As Little Richie, (laughs) which is who he was known by. Richie Rich. Rich Rich. Oh my God. I didn't even have stables with ponies and I wanted that so bad. I'm not even stable. Period. (laughs) Uh, I like Elliot Stabler from SBU. Okay. That's a weird thing. And now for a completely uh, and totally unrelated segue. (laughs) Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Rash Bomb, Bromwich and protests. That's hard to say. Rash Bomb, Bromwich and protests at the Times. Alan Weisselberg, longtime lieutenant to Donald J. Trump, is negotiating a deal with the Manhattan prosecutors that would require him to plead guilty to perjury, according to people with knowledge. As part of the potential agreement with the Manhattan DA's office, Mr. Weisselberg would have to admit that he lied on the witness stand in Trump's recent civil fraud trial. Mr. Weisselberg, former CFO at Trump's family business. That's funny how they say family business. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like it's on the corner next to Bob's cobbler or whatever. Um, The Trump organization Uh, also would have to say that he lied under oath during an interview with the New York Attorney General's office, which brought the case. The situation springs from a web of criminal and civil cases brought by the two agencies. That's the New York Attorney General and the Manhattan D.A. and will culminate in a lengthy pressure campaign by the District Attorney Alvin Bragg, uh, whose prosecutors had sought Mr. Weiselberg's cooperation as they investigated whether Trump committed electoral and financial crimes. Even without Weisselberg's cooperation, they indicted Trump last year in the election-related case. That's the Stormy Daniels uh, hush money case. That is set for trial in March. And now that Jack Smith or the courts have removed the March 4th D.C. trial date from from the calendar, they might have time to go. Uh, The deal being negotiated would most likely not require Weisselberg to turn on Trump, although Weisselberg was involved in the action at the heart of the case, a hush money payment meant to bury a potential sex scandal just before the 2016 election. Prosecutors are not expected to call him as a witness, though. And the investigation that most required Mr. Weisselberg's help, the DA's inquiry into Trump's finances, may no longer be a priority for prosecutors. I don't understand that at all. I don't either. Why is he not continuing to criminally investigate Trump for tax fraud crimes? I know that they indicted the Trump organization. A 17, they got a 17 count conviction, felonies against the organization, but never went after Trump personally, nor seemingly the IRS or the Southern District of New York. The feds are seeming to ignore it, too. I don't fucking understand that. Anyway, although the potential agreement is unlikely to uh, immediately affect Donald Trump, it could strengthen Bragg's hand before the former president's trial. It could deter other witnesses uh, in Trump's circle from lying on the stand. (laughs) And perjury charges could discredit Weisselberg, who has disputed details of the prosecution's evidence in the case involving the 2016 election. It's not yet clear whether, if the deal happens, Weisselberg would plead guilty to a low-level felony or a misdemeanor, or what his sentence might be. And it's also unclear which of Allen's statements in the civil fraud trial caught prosecutors' attention. 
But I think I know, and New York Times uh, talks about this particular instance as well, and I'm pretty sure this is it. In 2022, Letitia James sued Trump and his adult sons and Weisselberg, accusing them of fraudulently exaggerating the value of Trump's assets to obtain favorable loans from banks. One such asset was Trump's triplex apartment in Trump Tower, which is 10,996 square feet, but it had been listed for years on his annual financial statements as being 30,000 square feet. That's not like a rounding error. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 10, 966, 30,000. Close. I'm kidding about boy math. You know what you guys do with your penis length. That's nope. it. Keep it's, going. It's boy math. While testifying, Mr. Weisselberg claimed that he never focused on that unit. But shortly thereafter, and we talked about this on the program, remember Forbes magazine came out and said, yes, he did. He was totally focused on that shit. He said Weisselberg lied under oath. It's, the article cited emails and notes between the former chief financial officer, Weisselberg, and the magazine, which compiles a list of America's richest people. Uh, and it showed that Mr. Weisselberg, quote, played a key role in trying to convince Forbes over the course of several years that the apartment had a higher value. After the article was published, Weisselberg abruptly stopped testifying. Oh, so, look at that. Pretty big hint that it's this. Weisselberg went to jail in 2023, as we know, for 100 days. And that was uh, not before Trump's company awarded him $2 million in severance that required him not to cooperate with any law enforcement investigations unless legally required. In April, while Weisselberg was on Rikers Island, Mr. Bragg announced criminal charges against Trump stemming from what prosecutors say was a cover-up of the sex scandal. That's the Stormy Daniels thing. Now, Bragg's prosecutors also renewed their pressure campaign while Weisselberg was behind bars. They offered him a way out cooperate with the DA's office against Trump to avoid further jail time. But Weisselberg still wouldn't budge. The guy was born to go to jail for Donald Trump. I don't, I don't think people understand that. He's the consigliere, yeah. right? Pete and I are going to go over this in more detail on next week's cleanup on aisle 45. You know, we've been following the perjury story again since Forbes called him out for lying on the stand. That was such a great article. There's some good, there's good journalism happening still in this country. <laughs> this one's from the Associated Press. The House accomplished something unusual Wednesday in passing with broad bipartisan support, a roughly $79 billion tax cut package that would enhance the child tax credit for millions of lower income families and boost three tax breaks for businesses, a combination that gives lawmakers on both sides of the political aisle coveted policy wins. Prospects for the measure becoming law are uncertain with the Senate, still having to take it up. But for a House that has struggled, I mean struggled to get bills of consequence over the last finish line, the tax legislation could represent a rare breakthrough. The bill actually passed by a vote of 357 to 70. Well, Speaker Mike Johnson, Republican for Louisiana, threw his support behind the bill on Wednesday morning. He spent part of the previous day meeting with GOP lawmakers who were concerned about particular features in the bill. Namely, namely the helping children. <laughs> yep, namely the expanded child tax credit. Some were also unhappy that it failed to address the $10,000 cap on the total amount of property taxes or state or local taxes that consumers can deduct on their federal returns. Raising the cap is a top priority of lawmakers from the Republican members of the New York congressional delegation whose victories in 2022 helped the GOP take the majority. I think it's ironic that they don't want to do anything about the tax credit, but they do want people to have to carry children to term. So apparently they just don't give a shit about them after they're born. Good to know. Correct. Yep. 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 Right. Johnson committed to moving a bill that addresses the cap. But there is no bill text yet, and legislation would have to move through the House Rules Committee. 
which leaves the timing very much in flux. Athena Lawson, a spokeswoman for Johnson, I'm surprised it's not his son, (laughs) said the Speaker and the Chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Rep. Jason Smith, he's a Republican from Missouri, agreed to work with lawmakers to, and I quote, find a path forward. Johnson called the tax cut bill on the House floor important, bipartisan legislation that would revive conservative pro-growth tax reform. He also said it would bring an early end to a wasteful COVID-era program that has been plagued with fraud. I think I remember some of the Republicans, actually, in Florida (laughs) getting in trouble for that. Now, moving up the deadline for claiming the employee retention tax credit is expected to largely offset the cost of tax cuts in the legislation. Johnson also emphasized the importance of the bill moving through the House and Ways, excuse me, House Ways and Means Committee before coming to the full House for a vote, saying it was a good example of how Congress is supposed to work. While House Republicans were anxious to restore full immediate deductions that businesses can take for the purchase of new equipment and machinery and for domestic research and development expenses. They argue such investments grow the economy and incentivize American companies to keep their manufacturing facilities and operations in the United States. The bill also provides businesses more flexibility in determining how much borrowing can be deducted. Democrats focused on boosting the child tax credit. This was where they were coming from. The tax credit is the $2,000 per child, but not all of that is refundable. The bill would incriminate, excuse me, incrementally raised the amount of the credit available as a refund, increasing it to $1,800 for 2023 tax returns, $1,900 for the following year, and $2,000 for the 2025. The bill also adjusts the top-line credit amount to temporarily grow at the rate of inflation. Households benefiting as a result of the changes in the the child tax credit would see an average tax cut of $680 in the first year. And that's according to estimates from the nonpartisan Tax Policy Center. Democrats pushed to restore the more generous tax credit they passed in 2021 in President Joe Biden's first year in office with payments occurring on a monthly basis. The credit was $3,600 annual for children under six and $3,000 for children ages six to 17. But most lawmakers were willing to take what gains they could through the compromise bill. And I quote, you know, I've been told that a half a loaf is better than none, says Rep. Danny Davis. He's a Democrat from Illinois, went on to say this isn't even half a loaf, but I'm going to vote for it because our families and businesses need help. They're really trying to get everything they can for the families. While there were complaints about the tax bill from some of the most conservative and liberal members of the House, a significant majority from each party voted for it. Proponents are hoping that the strong show of support will stir action in the Senate. The bill keeps a threshold of household having $2,500 in income to be eligible for refundable child tax credit payments. The bill also would enhance a tax credit for the construction or rehabilitation of rental housing targeted to lower income households, adding an estimated 200,000 housing units around the country. That was a key priority of lawmakers from states with acute housing shortages and soaring prices. And it would ensure victims of certain natural disasters and the East Palestine, Ohio train derailment that they don't get hit with a big tax bill for payments they received as compensation for their losses. So they're trying to get something done. It seems to have bipartisan support. So we'll see what happens with this. Yeah, we'll see how it goes in the Senate. Although Chuck Grassley said today he doesn't want to give Joe Biden a win. Of course they don't. Yeah, of course not. Fuck Americans. 
if it helped, you know, if it, if it makes Joe Biden more popular, it's just ridiculous. Uh, but the state of Oregon is having a better day. This is from Claire Rush and the Associated Press. The Oregon Supreme Court said Thursday that 10 Republican state senators who staged a record long walkout last year to stall bills on abortion, transgender health care and gun rights cannot run for re-election. Do you remember we this covered made this me story? so happy? Yes, we covered this story. They they because, you know, they they had a, a majority of Democrats uh, in the legislature and they wanted to get all this great stuff done because the people elected them and put them there. They wanted to pass these transgender health care bills, um, pro-choice bills, gun rights, you know, uh, gun reform. And they fucking walked out for six weeks. The decision upholds the secretary of state's decision to disqualify the senators from the ballot under a voter approved measure aimed at stopping these boycotts. Measure 113. It was on the ballot in 2022, and it passed by a wide margin. It amended the state constitution to bar lawmakers from re-election if they have more than 10 unexcused absences. Now, last year's boycott, like I said, lasted six weeks, longest in state history, and paralyzed the legislative session, stalling hundreds of bills. Democratic Senate President Rob Wagner welcomed the decision. Quote, today's ruling by the Oregon Supreme Court means that legislators and the public now know how Measure 113 will be applied. And that's good for our state. Now, political advocacy groups that backed Measure 113 had similar reactions. Quote, walkouts allow a relatively small number of lawmakers to nullify the will of the majority. And that is to the detriment of our democracy. That's Alejandro Carroll, executive director of the Oregon Center for Public Policy. During oral arguments before the Supreme Court in Oregon in December, attorneys for the senators and the state wrestled over the grammar and syntax of the language that was added to the state constitution after Measure 113 was adopted by voters. The amendment says a lawmaker is not allowed to run for the term following the election after the member's current term is completed. The debate was over when that ineligibility kicked in. If a senator's term ends in January 2025, they would typically seek re-election in November 2024. The election after the member's current term is completed would not be until November 2028. That's what the Republicans argued. That's seriously what they were fucking arguing. Of course they had to. So they can run for re-election this year and then hold office for another term before becoming ineligible. Now, the court disagreed, saying that while the language of the amendment was ambiguous, the information provided to voters in the ballot title and the explanatory statement made clear the intent was to bar truant lawmakers from holding office the next term. The 2023 walkout paralyzed the legislature for weeks and only ended after Republicans forced concessions from Democrats on a sweeping bill related to expanding access to abortion and transgender health care and other measure, another one, regarding the manufacture and transfer of undetectable firearms. We call them ghost guns. Oregon voters approved the measure, 100, measure 113, by a wide margin, as I said, following the Republican walkouts in 2019, 2020, and 2021. So this is pretty common. Love it. I love it. I hope that nothing, I hope this doesn't change. And and let's get some Democrats in there running against these yeah. seats. That would be fantastic. And let's get some other states, citizenry, putting this Absolutely. in their constitution. That if you walk Agreed. out, yeah, fuck you. Agreed. All right. Last in this segment, this one's from CNN. President Joe Biden issued an executive order targeting violent Israeli settlers in the West Bank, whom he said have undermined stability in the area. A U.S. official and source familiar with the matter, that's what they told CNN. The new directive, first reported by Politico and expected to be announced Thursday, will impose sanctions on several individuals accused of having participated in violent acts. 
The order targets four individuals accused of directly perpetrating violence or intimidation in the West Bank. A senior administration official said this, including people accused of initiating and leading a riot, setting buildings, fields, and vehicles on fire, and assaulting civilians and damaging property. The State Department announced the names of the Israelis targeted by the executive order, which blocks their financial assets and bars them from coming into the United States. They are David Chai Hazdai, uh, Inan Tanjil, Shalom Zikerman, and Yinon Levy. And I hope I'm correct with those pronunciations. The White House notified the Israeli government of their plans ahead of the order. This is what the official said. Officials say they had compiled evidence they said offer proof of the individual's role in the West Bank violence that would withstand judicial review, including information from public reporting. Now, Netanyahu's office said in a statement Thursday that he sanctioned, these sanctions were unnecessary. Of course, Bibi said that. And I quote, Israel acts against all lawbreakers everywhere, so there is no room for exceptional measures in this regard. This is what the prime minister said. This is his officials adding that the absolute majority of Israeli settlers in the West Bank are law-abiding citizens. Well, the order comes as the president faces backlash from key parts of his political coalition for his backing of Israel in its war against Hamas and Gaza. While the order is not expected to address the situation in Gaza particularly, it will mark one of the more significant actions Biden has taken to critique Israel since the war began in the wake of the October 7th terrorist attack by Hamas and could be a signal from Biden toward Muslim and Arab American voters who are upset with his refusal to call for a ceasefire. Speaking at the National Prayer Breakfast on Capitol Hill Thursday morning, ahead of issuing the executive order, Biden acknowledged the suffering of both Israelis and Palestinians. He said he understands the, and I quote, pain and passion felt by so many here in America and around the world in response to the trauma and the destruction in Israel and Gaza. Went on to say, not only do we pray for peace, we're actively working for peace, security, and dignity for the Israeli people and the Palestinian people. Biden said he was engaged in bringing hostages held by Hamas home day and night, and was also working to, and I quote, ease the humanitarian crisis and to bring peace to Gaza and Israel and enduring peace with two states for two peoples. Thank you for that story, uh, Dana. We'll see what kind of impact these sanctions have. Yep. And we'll keep our eye on that. And um, everybody, as you know, it's Friday. That means it's Fugelsang Friday. So before we hit the good news, we will be right back with Mr. John Fugelsang. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. Well, it's Fugelsang Friday again. And that means we're here in Gobbler's Knob with Punxsutawney Phil. No, no, no. We are here with the incredible host of Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM Progress 127. Weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. He's got his own podcast. If you don't have Sirius, it's called The John Fugelsang Show. Please welcome John Fugelsang. Hello, Allison. Happy uh, happy Groundhog Day to you. And uh, happy you. Groundhog to all people who don't trust science, but do trust involuntary rodent weather forecasts. It's a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm going to now go and watch the movie Groundhog Day again because I love it so much. Me too. All right, so here's what I want to talk about. We knew the Republican Party was morally bankrupt, but now it also appears that they're fiscally bankrupt, right? We just found out Trump spent over 50 million dollars of campaign donations on legal fees alone in mm. 2023. Uh he's now spending more than he is making. 
in his campaign. Um, the RNC, good old Ronna Romney McDaniel, who got rid of her middle name because Trump didn't like it. Well, they only have $8 million cash on hand at the RNC. Uh, and that is the lowest, fiscally speaking, adjusted for dollars since 1993. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as we know, the longer Nikki Haley stays in the race, the more money he's going to have to spend. And Raw Story is reporting he is just pissed that she has not dropped out of the race. I'm assuming oh, he's threatened her with oh, everything. Hope he's okay. Yeah, oh, me too. My heart goes out. No. And now Biden has over 100 million in the bank and um, Democrats are doing uh, truly well. And new polling coming out showing that uh, Biden has beaten uh, Trump, beating Trump by uh, six points if the election were held today. It doesn't seem like and I could be crazy here, but it doesn't seem like being a 91 uh, count indicted, twice impeached, uh, you know, uh, found liable for rape. Uh, guy, it it doesn't seem to do well uh, for for uh, for the polls or for fundraising. Well, it does well with the base, and we have to remember the Republicans have had this curious strategy for the last ten years of campaigning really hard to win the votes of people who are already going to vote Republican, and then ignoring <laughs> that vast swath of vague Caucasian independence that they need to get. You're already seeing the Democrats. Do what they do, throw progressive causes under the bus a year in advance to show how not liberal they are to try to get that great mass of Caucasian vagueness. People who can't make up their mind between Mr. 91 Counts Rapist or, you know, the old guy who's gotten a lot of stuff done in three years. But there's something really important. You're right. He's spent over 50 million of campaign cash on legal fees. We really can't overstate how gullible people are. I mean... E. Jean Carroll wants to go shopping. So you racists better give Trump money because that's where it's going. Eighty, The next $83 million these rubes donate is going straight into E. Jean's pocketbook and maybe more if Trump can't control his mouth. But what's interesting is since that verdict, he hasn't defamed her again. He has behaved. She is the first person yet to bring this guy to heel. And it's fascinating watching it. So the real thing we have to talk about here with the fundraising is the Save America PAC. That's what Donald Trump uses to fleece these people. And we've heard lots of stories about how if you don't check the, the normally you check a box to automatically give every month, but how the wording was such that people didn't realize you have to uncheck a box to not be billed every month. Um, but everyone's donating the Save America PAC. They're paying for Trump's lawyers. Trump's laughing it up. Uh, at this point, I, I think he's trying to spend a weekend in jail because he'd make hundreds of millions off of that. But no one's donating to the Republican Party anymore. Not the national RNC, and they're not donating to their state Republican parties. We can talk about Ronna McDaniel, and my God, the way the, the more incompetent an RNC head is, the greater job security they have. The most competent RNC head they've had in my lifetime has been Michael Steele, and they Michael couldn't Steele. wait to get rid of him. They, yeah. I mean, Michael Steele actually won them elections, so they got rid of him as soon as they could, <laughs> put in Reince Priebus, and we all know how that turns out. Every man over age 50 should get his Reince Priebus checked once a year. So, so people are not giving any money to the Republicans. They're starving. The polling is not as, as positive as you say. You know, yesterday there was polling showing all seven swing states all going to Trump, but I'm not worried about it. I don't trust these polls at all. They're polls of people who answer their landline phones, Allison, and people who answer their phones when they don't know who the caller is. And with any convictions of those 91 counts, a substantial amount of voters flip over to the Biden column. 
Yeah, well, you know, when you go into the voting booth, it's a different story from when you talk to a pollster. That's very true. But, uh, you know, I I was thinking about um, the fundraising problem, right? And they ousted McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, And as as big of a a piece of shit as he is, he was good at fundraising for the Republican Party. And Mike Johnson is not. Not um, as good as McCarthy, no. But, you know, no. but Mike, Mike Johnson makes the racists a little bit happier. And that's all this is. They, they have the illusion of winning. And that's what they prioritize. So they can widen that gap with the independents. And now we're getting reporting on huge gender gaps now that those numbers are starting to roll in <laughs> um, because, you know, we had a we had a big problem in, in 2016. I think 53 percent of registered white women voters selected Donald Trump. Correct. And that now doesn't seem to be uh, the case anymore. Uh, the gap is growing um, between women and men. And and how does the Trump campaign respond? They go after Taylor Swift. That's right. It's brilliant. That's, isn't it? that's their brilliant idea to close well, the gender gap. Great to have a strategy, you know, and going after <laughs> Taylor Swift this year. I mean, let's be honest, if if the Republican Party and I've said this on your show before to your wonderful listeners, if the Republican Party had any policies they wanted to enact that would improve the lives of non-millionaires, they would never shut up about it. They have none. They have no policies to help non-millionaires. They have not prioritized non-millionaires once since Nixon and the earned income tax credit. So yeah, uh, Taylor Swift is the new, Hunter Biden is the new, Biden's coming for your guns. Um, I mean, the border is really what they've zeroed in on, but for the time being, I think the Taylor Swift war is brilliant. Um, I hope they go harder after her. I hope they devote a lot of money to it. And in this case, unlike the Middle East, I'd like to see this war get out of hand and expand into a greater, more violent regional war where they go after Beyonce as well. I think it's a natural progression, Allison. If you're going to go this hard after Taylor Swift, take on the beehive. Only good things can happen. They should be attacking Beyonce just as hard as they go after Taylor Swift. Because, again, they're they're not going to be going after things for the middle class. No, no, definitely not. And, you know, talking about what you something about something that you just said, uh, that's a thought exercise for folks who have Republican or MAGA relatives, uh, because it you know, I was thinking about this last night. I tried to think of, you know, in the history of the recent history, let's just go back 30 years. Sure. A- any Republican policy or legislation or program that has been passed that Democrats have tried to stop or overturn. And then, contrary-wise, think of all the Democratic programs that have passed that Republicans, that, and I'm talking about programs that Americans love, Yeah, that Republicans try to stop or overturn. Or threaten to cut in every budget they put out. I can't, I can think of a hundred programs that Democrats have passed that Republicans we just had to re-expand the child tax credit because Republicans learned the hard way that when you give something to people that Democrats passed and then take it away that's bad they learned it with the Affordable Care Act they every time they want to try to gut Social Security and Medicare I couldn't think of a single thing that the Republicans have passed and put into law except maybe MTALA but the Democrats didn't go after that that Democrats have tried to overturn that Americans love. 
stealing. Oh, that Americans love. I got nothing. But um, <laughs> right, uh, the well, Americans love. No, okay. Uh, segregation. How about that? Segregation. Racial segregation. I got. I had to go back sixty years, but hey, this is the anniversary year, so a lot of Americans love that. It was a Democrat who uh, who overturned that. Yeah, I um, also said in the last thirty years. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, then I'll say um, uh, stealing from the Pentagon to build a racist medieval wall at our border that would never work. That's something that was popular among some Americans. And Joe Biden returned those billions to the military right away. But no, you're exactly right. And this extends. I mean, look at anywhere in history when the extreme conservative religious people have been the good guys. Look in any culture, any society, extreme conservative Muslims, Christians, Jews. When have they ever been the good guy? in any historical conflict or in any period. When in America have we been saved by the extreme right-wing Christians? It's never happened. All they do is turn in more people off. And you might have seen this new Pew poll last week, Miss Gill, that shows 28% of Americans check the nun box now when they're asked about religious affiliation. That's, that's more people than consider themselves evangelical or Catholic. And this includes atheists, agnostics, and then people who believe in God or, or Christ, but who don't follow an organized religion. Uh, most of these people still believe in God, but it's 28%. And all last week, Allison, I saw people saying, pundits and commenters saying, well, why, why is religion on the decline? Why are people leaving churches in this country? If they're not all turning atheists, why are they abandoning churches? And this same day, I looked in the headlines the same day this poll came out to see why. And if you look, the answer's there. The same day the Pew poll came out, Alabama executed a man with barbaric nitrogen gas, which the American Veterinary Association said should not be used on dogs 24 years ago. He, he, he got oxygen into his mask and he writhed in agony on a table for 22 minutes. Christians did that. And they're wondering why people would leave. That same day, we saw Christians in Ohio, the right-wing Senate and the House, override the Republican governor's veto of a bill to just not be cruel and shitty to transgender children. Jesus teaches his followers to treat the least of these people the way you treat him. They don't follow Jesus. We wonder why are people leaving the church. And that same week, we were watching the Republican Christian governor of Texas fighting for his right to welcome the stranger as Jesus command by putting razor wire in the Rio Grande River and defying the Supreme Court. And then that same day, Allison, last week, we learned that half a million women have been raped in the 14 states that have banned abortion since Roe v. Wade. And of those half million, 67,000 have become pregnant by their rapist. And of those 67,000, 26,313 women in Texas are pregnant by a rapist. And they're being forced by Donald Trump and Greg Abbott, these American citizens, to be pregnant against their will by their rapist. And they're asking, why are people leaving organized religion? Look at what these revoltingly fake right-wing Christians are doing. They're an atheist factory. And these are the kind of things, along with declaring war on Taylor Swift, that are only going to turn away more people who pay attention to what's really going on. So very true. And, um, you know, something uh, a little bit of, of, of a bright side after after three decades of corruption and bullying and misconduct and just being a horrible person in general. Wayne LaPierre is no longer right. the CEO uh, as of yesterday, no longer yep. the CEO of the National Rifle Association. He's been testifying in the corruption trial against him, three others, and of course, the organization itself brought by New York Attorney General Tish James. 
who shuttered the Trump Foundation, who is going to shutter the Trump Organization, and now possibly uh, the NRA. But he is gone, and I think that that is cause for celebration. It's a great listen. I I couldn't agree more. The fact that. The FCC won't let me call Wayne LaPierre a rat bastard, America-hating fuckwit on broadcast TV. That proves we already accept limits on our constitutional rights in this country. So Wayne LaPierre has been a villain every time there's ever been a gun massacre in this country in the last 30 years. Wayne LaPierre has shown up to raise money off of it and remind you that the gun manufacturers are the real victims. So I'm delighted by it. It's a great sign of morality. You know, I heard uh, Wayne LaPierre got, got stuck in traffic on the way to court, Allison, but um, more cars would have prevented that, right? That's what Wayne believes. Very true. But, you know, we, we just watched a couple of days ago, Republicans questioning the CEOs of some tech companies, including right. Mark Zuckerberg at Meta, and saying, how are you not liable? How are the blood on your hands? Why can't you be sued? You know, Lindsey Graham saying, yeah. why can't you be sued for, for giving people the tools to that, that cause death? And, yeah. and I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? Where are you on guns then? Thank you. I Thank don't understand. Oh, I understand. Lindsey Graham doesn't mean it. Here's the thing about that. You know, I... I I, I was all set to come here and yell about a national prayer breakfast because that doesn't make America <laughs> a Christian nation. Uh, caring for the poor uh, makes America a Christian nation. We don't want to be a Christian nation. But this story was incredible because it was the greatest hypocrisy I saw all week. You got these tech heads there, and these are people who take gazillions of dollars from racists and white supremacists to spread disinformation. They take gazillions of dollars from fascists to try to destroy our democracy. They profit off of everything bad that's been happening in our country. They happily help brainwash your uncle racist and your aunt dead inside. And the, if you're a tech giant, the only thing you have to do is count your money, and then one day a year, one day a year, you got to go to Congress so senators can yell at you on camera for being a bad person. And then they let you go and do nothing. It was theater. It was a stunt. It was embarrassing to watch. Watching Lindsey Graham, watching Josh Hawley, Josh Hawley, who encouraged this terrorist attack on our Capitol. And all of these senators, including the Democrats, some of them, they're all doing the same thing. They're all yelling at these heckheads, giving them their, their, their public tongue lashing once a year. You're bad, bad, bad. All in the hopes that their clip will go viral on the same platforms these tech heads run. I mean, they're not looking for any real reform. It was grandstanding from politicians who don't want to do anything in front of a Zuckerberg who's willing to apologize, but he's still going to take every dollar from every Nazi to run any kind of ad they want. Well, they do, you know, they do want to uh, say that they want to be able to open the doors of the courts to allow people who have been victims of... I guess social media. Yeah, it's great. Uh, to open open the the court the court doors and defend yourself, um, and and you know to a certain extent, I agree uh, on liability yeah, there. Sure. Absolutely. But then why not guns? Because if you're going to limit the First Amendment, certainly you can limit the Second Amendment. Absolutely. But again, they, they're, they're not interested in that. They're not interested in saving lives. They're not. The Republican Party doesn't believe anything they say. They don't care about the border. They don't care about the border. Donald Trump has proven they want it to get worse. Donald Trump called off their border deal. They want one year of open borders. Like, like they don't mean it. They don't care about abortion 
at all. They would fight for birth control. They would fight for sex ed in school. They don't care about anything they claim to care about. And guns are wonderful for them because it's solid with their base. Americans have shown they're not inclined to punish these guys for doing nothing about gun massacres. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. No one's been voted out of office because of their craven indifference to mass slaughter. So they get to shuffle the shit around and keep on playing the same pantomime. Um, but you're exactly right. The hypocrisy's right there. For them to like demand Z Mark Zuckerberg apologize for all the people his product hurt, but not the guys who run the gun companies, it's madness. Well, that's the benefit, right? Of, of trying to defend guns and fetuses and Jesus. Neither guns nor fetuses nor Jesus can say, shut the fuck up and stop exactly. trying to represent me. Exactly. And so, they, and they, and by the way, they don't care about any, they don't care about guns. They don't care about no. fetuses and they really don't care about Jesus. No, no. Or, or the neighbor or our neighbor or. No, no it's a cult of, it, it's, it's, it's a cult of selfishness. Selfishness as a virtue, the way John Kenneth Galbraith warned us 50, 55 years ago that that the modern conservative is engaged in mankind's oldest pursuit the search to make selfishness appear virtuous it's a cult of selfishness donald trump is the head all of them only do things to help themselves show me a republican in the last 10 years i mean there's there's one or two who've made the tough calls and gone against trump and lost a job but I mean, Jeff Flake voted for Trump with everything. It's a cult of corrosive selfishness, and that's why they always turn on each other as they're beginning to right now. You think Ted Cruz, look at Ted Cruz, you think Ted Cruz is humiliating himself in front of his children because he really believes Donald Trump is the right man? No, Ted Cruz is endorsing the man who insulted his wife because he thinks it'll help him get more power. Yeah, I don't think they care about legacy either. I think they're no. all focused now. They can't see down the road. It's all that whole Ayn Rand, rugged individualism bullshit. And uh, yep, I that's think, it. Uh, Ayn rhymes with mine. You and I both know it. Thank you so much, my friend. Everybody, you, you got to listen to more John Fugel saying. You need more John in your life, oh, and you can get you. it on Sirius XM Progressive Channel 127, weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Or if you don't have Sirius, you can always listen for free to the John Fuglesang Show podcast wherever you get your pods. My friend, it's always a delight to speak to you. I will see you next week. Happy Groundhog Day. Thank you. And tonight on our show and podcast, it's a very special conversation with Olympic gold medalist, New York Nick legend, and legendary senator uh, Bill Bradley. There's a great new Spike Lee uh, produced film about his one-man show, and it's a wonderful interview i hope you guys will listen thank you so much allison for everything you do fantastic you get the best guests everybody stick around we'll be right back with the good news everybody welcome back it's time for the good news Who likes good news everyone then good news everyone Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Fark is in Your Ark. I love that. <laughs> uh, send us those animal photos and we'll try to guess the breed and or whatever kind of animal it is. Um, you know, maybe maybe some days when we're tired, we can just guess what color the animal is. Um, but then, of course, we're going to get people sending us black and white photos. Watch. You just watch. Oh, of course. Uh, also, if you have a shout out to a loved one or a small business in your area or yourself or your small business, um, you can send that to us. If you don't have pod pet tax to pay, you can send an adoptable pet in your area. And we love, 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 love the student debt relief stories and the VA positive stories. Please send those to us as well, along with anything else you want to send, theses titled, dissertation titles, 
uh, frog orgies, baby pictures, send it to us. Dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. First up, longtime fed, pronoun she and her. I just want to reassure AG that she had no reason to know how to pronounce the disease listed in a physician's thesis in the physician's thesis today. <laughs> the key wasn't that the thesis dealt with radiation; it was that the disease of coal. It was a disease of coworkers. Pneumoconiosis oh. is pronounced with all long O sounds. Pneumoconiosis. Ah, pneumoconiosis. Ah. Now I've got it. Uh, also, uh, also known as black lung disease. Well, ah. why didn't you just say that in your thesis title, Mister Fancy Pants Doctor, with your <laughs> pneumoconiosis? You know, I'm going to learn that. I'm going to make. I'm going to make an effort. Pneumoconiosis, because it's important, and people have been suffering with this horrible disease for far, far too long. It's an occupational hazard for coal workers. I've spent 30 plus years in the federal government, much of it working with coal miners. You guys are the best. And I love starting my morning with you. I've included a photo of rescue pup Bailey giving me the side eye and longtime fed. <laughs> this is champion side. This is championship side eye. This That's is, really good. This is Super Bowl side eye. Taylor Swift should be rooting for this side eye. This is incredible. What a cute little pupper. Uh, I'm gonna, super sweet. I'm going to grab the next one too because it's very Go short. For it. But thank you, longtime Fed, and thank you for the work you're doing. Black Lung is so, I mean, it's devastating, right? Families and communities. Oh, I can't. I'm so glad that you're doing that. Next up from Thomas S. No pronouns. Shout out. The other day, my daughter's new boss introduced her on a call as one of the leading experts in freight consolidation in the country. <gasps> Congratulations, Thomas. That's good news. Thank you so much, AG. This one is from Anne, pronoun she and her. Hello, people of the beans. I have good news about care I received at the Buffalo, New York VA. During December of 2021, I went for my routine mammogram and sonogram. Unfortunately, I did not receive the results I wanted. Ambiguous, oh, here we go, microcalcifications were found. I received authorization for community care for a biopsy. Unfortunately, the results of the biopsy was inconclusive, so I had a lumpectomy, which was positive for cancer, and I'm so sorry. The good news about the cancer was found early and treatable. I also found a great group of ladies who are breast cancer survivors who participate in exercise and do dragon boat racing. Pod Pet Tax is my chihuahua schnauzer who has been companioned during my treatments. And... And, and, and I'm so, so glad that you found it early. And I'm also just so Me sorry too. that that's tough. That's a tough, a tough diagnosis. But, and that is why the screening is so important, yep. you know, get your mammograms and, um, and get them as when you, when you're supposed to, I know that they've changed the, the kind of the, the years you're supposed to get them recently. So make sure you check. And, um, this dog is fantastic. It is a good mix of breeds. <laughs> this dog is amazing. And so is the floor. Just want to put out there. Just want to put that out there. Thank you for that submission. And we are here for you, Anne, whatever you need. Next up, anonymous pronouns they and them. I've been a few days behind in my intake of the beans, but was catching up this morning, was listening to a story about another anti-trans bill. As a non-binary and queer person, it's so hard right now, but I wanted to give a shout out to a partner in the law firm I work for, Mike. I don't know if he's a listener. Mike wrote an amicus brief on behalf of biomedical ethics and public health scholars supporting the challengers to Texas Senate Bill 14 regarding the ban on gender-affirming care for children. 
He is one of several people in my firm headquartered in Texas who give nothing but love and support for the trans and queer community. I am so honored to work with him, especially in a time where it feels like even existing is hard. I will say that I'm writing in um, I'm writing in anonymously because I have faced hostile comments from at least one person in my firm and I don't want to jeopardize my job. Thank you, AG and DG, for your continued love and support. It all really helps for pet tax. I've attached a picture of my faithful furry sidekick, oh, Harrison. Oh, Harrison's beautiful. Okay, Anonymous, I'm really sorry that you're going through this at work. I'm I'm happy to hear that there are people doing good things in your firm, but you shouldn't have to go through any sort any sort of harassment at work. And, you know, I don't think people realize that in 36 states still, I think it's 36 people can still get fired for who they love and their gender identity. And I think people think just because we have marriage equality that somehow that's not the case. And it is. You can get married on Saturday and get fired on Monday. Yeah. So, and, and there's still so many industries uh, and, and just individual places of business where you can't come out. Yeah for fear of losing your job. You know, we talk about coming out, coming out day, et cetera, coming out to your family and, and all that other stuff. There's this whole other world where you work, you know, and it's, it's so that it's, it's depressing, but the, the fight continues. And, and this great submission about Mike filing that amicus brief yeah. is lifting my spirit. So thank you. For Me that. too. Thank you, AG. This one's from Tony, pronouns he and him. Hi, this is Tony. You have shared a few of my contributions for which I am so grateful. It's Tony. I was at the Wadsworth Drag Queen Story Time with my big American flag, my pride flags to stand against the blood clan Nazis. Remember? Pr- yep, I do remember. Proud Boys, that photo was powerful. Mm-hmm. Patriotic Front and Assorted Mixed Nuts. <laughs> nice, Tony. <laughs> I exchanged a few words with the scrawny little man-boy incel wannabe. I think he may have been triggered by the fact that my pole was just much bigger than his. <laughs> I found out later that that little git was none other than Eamon Penny, the convicted terrorist that tried to firebomb the Chardon Church. Dude. Wow. He was from my hometown and attended the school my daughter attended earlier. So yikes. I have it from a criminal justice professor who knows some of the investigators of the attack that the accelerant in the Molotov cocktails was beer. Okay. Perhaps the reason Penny got less than the 20 year max is he got time off for catastrophic staggering stupidity. (laughs) I've attached pictures from the Wadsworth event at the DC transgender day of visibility rally a month later. Peace. Man, Tony, you run it. I fucking love you out there. Eamon Penny. Yeah. He just, that that's the fucking Nazi we were talking about yesterday that got sentenced to 18 years. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and you're right. Had he used proper accelerant in the Molotov cocktail, it might've been more. <laughs> oh, goodness. Look at these photos. I love these. I never get tired of these. Yeah. Tony, thanks for continuing to write in. We love you. You're doing the Lord's work. We appreciate you. Keep sending them in. Next up from Elizabeth pronouns, she and her. Hello, Laguma ladies. I'm a grant writer. Oh, really, Elizabeth? Nice to meet you. Uh, I've prepared 18 grant reports and requests to federal, state, county, municipal, and private foundation funders, plus completed one accreditation review. And then there's the meetings, trainings, research, and prep I've done for some of the requests due later. January is always a busy month for me, but this year was nuts. It works out to about one request report produced each day. I am tired, but it's all submitted. I'm done. 
I want to shout out to the nonprofit clients I worked for in January who make the work I do meaningful. I'm honored to be a part of the amazing things they do for the community. Asian American Center of Frederick, helping immigrants settle and thrive in the United States. Operation Second Chance, helping combat veterans with emergency financial assistance and emotional wellness. The Frederick Children's Chorus, because we absolutely need children singing. Health Betterment Initiative, stopping the spread of infectious diseases and helping patients get care. Mission of Mercy, simply put, free medical and dental care provided with love, no hoops to jump through. Crossed Bridges, tackling the opioid epidemic one saved life at a time. Community Ministry of Prince George's County, people helping people with whatever they need. Links to all of these organizations will be in the show notes. Amazing. That's a lot. It's a lot of work and your heart must be full, even though you're tired. Yeah. <laughs> For pod pet tax, I submit this rather odd photo of my kitties, Mr. Darcy and Darla sitting in my lap. Mr. Darcy is recovering from surgery from a urinary blockage and his sweetheart, Darla, is comforting him. These two have a romance of the ages. Law, excuse me, for the ages. Long story short, maybe another day. Suffice it to say, we were all relieved that Mr. Darcy is almost fully healed and can soon get rid of the damned cone of shame. <gasps> I know. I I actually couldn't figure out what was happening in the photo for a second because <laughs> the cat's black and her pants are black. Yep. Yep. Mr. Darcy is is like blending right into the black pants. So all I saw was a cat head in a cone. And I was like, where is the body of Where's this? Where's the cat? <laughs> Yeah, boy, Mr. Darcy has bigger problems if <laughs> if he doesn't have a body. Um, oh, I, I want to hear about the better. I want to hear about the romance for the ages. I know that sounds that sounds rad. Who doesn't love a good kitty love story? Right, and you rarely hear about it. Usually, when kitties, you know, quote unquote, you love, there's hear like about a, them. <laughs> <laughs> The only time you hear kitty love stories are when they're in the alley, you know, like doing their thing that they really don't like doing. Yeah. Um, so um, I want to <laughs> I want to hear about the the romance. Please and thank you. <laughs> you laughing at me? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you, about never, the, you never hear about the kitty love stories. <laughs> standalone statement. <laughs> Take that out of context. Just walking Just, up to a stranger on the street. Why you know? never hear about the kitty love stories? <laughs> oh, I love you. Today and yesterday. We've been loopy. Loopy. I hope you're just hanging with us today. I know there was a lot of giggling, but um, at least the stories weren't that serious. <laughs> oh, you never Good times. Kitty love stories. There's a song in there somewhere. And talk to my songwriting friends. All right. Enter a contest. Uh, that's our show for today and the show for the week. Thank you again to Mr. John Fugelsang and his fantastic hair for coming on and speaking to us. You can listen to his show, Tell Me Everything, on Sirius XM Progress Channel 127. That's weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here, my friend? My final thought is that if you know a trans or non-binary person in this world right now, don't assume that they're okay just because they're quiet. Reach out to them, please. Make sure that they're okay. Send them love. And if they're not okay, just sometimes just go sit. Just go sit and listen. But also, you know, you can ask, is there anything I can do? Just make yourself vulnerable. The community needs our support right now. It's going to be a long fucking year. I'm going to do everything I can, raise a lot of money. But please reach out to someone you know and love and just let them know that you love them. 
It is so important. Yep. And during this Black History Month, reach out to your uh, Black trans friends because they are in incredible amounts of danger, just statistically speaking. Um, Absolutely. And uh, we send our love to everyone. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Andy and I will be with you this weekend on the Jack podcast on Sunday. Pete and I will have our Clean Up on All 45 bonus episode. Next Friday, we're going to have both the Daily Beans Zoom call meetup for patrons and the Clean Up on All 45 Zoom meetup for patrons. So both of those calls happen next Friday, February 6th. And we'll be back in your ears on Monday. Until then, please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone you know with you. I've been A.G. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th or get it ad free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.